All right, welcome to the JB Font channel. I'm your host, James Fontleroy. It's good to see everybody here today in the chat. The JB Font show is also available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can subscribe on there. I'm part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, and you can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on RBN. Please make sure to give this video a thumbs up if you're new to the channel. Please make sure to smush down that subscribe button because, you know, the algorithm doesn't like us. And if you do, then I do promise you cookies. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I can get them through the screen. But... I also want to give a shout out to my patrons on coffee. I just want to thank you all for your additional support because you guys have been helping me keep the lights on, so to speak. So I want to thank people like David Michael, Kush Renata, Socialist Cayman, Rebecca, See the Change, Robin During, Michael, I'm sorry, Michelle the Village, Spunky Wombat, Robin, Eric Thomas, Carrie Matthews, Paco Mendoza Gomez, and to my anchor supporters, Anthony Fazio and Jeffrey Kramer. Today, as you guys can see on the thumbnail, I actually have one of the people who is a resource to those of us in this space, who has been such a huge help to all, all of us navigate uh, what the mainstream media has been saying. Case Study QB is with me here today, live and in charge yo my, my homie JB. it How is so doing? good to see you great to see you it's great to see kid in the chat too my man yo kid cabello yeah. what's up good to see you yeah. as well yeah all yeah. right i'm so excited uh to get to to be with my guy you know usually it's just is us and we're both like guests on mm -hmm. another show but i got you all to myself so let's let's get into it yeah yeah you know what <clears throat> And I didn't say this to you when we were off air, but I, I just I, I want to say this to you live. Um, the way you carry yourself is such a genuine and sincere way that I think that a lot of us on the left should take to heart of how to act. Um, oh, man, I appreciate that. Because you're one of the people who, even if there's a disagreement, you're like, okay. We can kind of have dialogue with it. We can discuss it. But if you want to go this route, that's okay with you. But I'm going to go the way that I feel that's right. But I hope we can always still come to the middle. And I think that's something that you embody, which I deeply respect. And I, I think that I should try and embody more. So thank you for being an example for me. Man, I appreciate that so much. And, and to say that, I, I definitely want to emphasize that, that I think that on the left, and I call it the left ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We all have difference of, of opinions. We all, um, and that's fine. That's I'm trying to create an environment where it's okay for us to, to disagree, mm -hmm. right? As long as we continue to have enough um, respect, let's let's keep it at that level. We don't have to love yeah. each other. We don't, have, even though I love my man JB, but you know, for example, between the um, Jimmy Doors of the world and the TYTs of the world, mm -hmm. and, and that. We, we need our, whether people like it or not, they have this a lot of subscribers, and so you could pretty much call them leaders in the movement, right? Mm -hmm. And we need them to be able to get along 
so that when a forced to vote part two comes or when a march for Medicare for all on Washington, D.C. comes along, we need both of them to be on board with something like that. Yeah. Right. Imagine they're telling their audience, hey, go to this event um, and they're both promoting the same event. Now, we don't you don't have to be on the stage. Let's say it's a um, Medicare for all kind of rally. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be on stage holding hand kumbaya together, but they can promote the same thing and then at different times go up there mm-hmm. and help um, yeah. publicize that. And only then can we get left change. Yeah. And the last thing I will say is that when FDR and I, I know a lot of people have beef with the way the New Deal was implemented, but mm-hmm. nobody can um, argue that it was pushed by communists. It was pushed by socialists. Mm-hmm. It was pushed by um, the left. And they had a coalition called the New Deal Coalition. Mm-hmm. And they pushed um, yeah. uh, FDR to do the things that he did. Now, it wasn't all adequate. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, communists and socialists, they don't get along. By default, they're, you know, they're communists for a reason. They're socialists. Otherwise, they'll all be the same thing. Mm-hmm. But they were able to find ways to say, hey, you know what? We don't yeah. agree on everything. But let's on this thing, the Social Security thing. Yeah, let's push for that. Um, this other thing over here. Yeah, let's push for that. You know, so yeah, I'll give it back to you, Jay. Yeah, definitely, definitely, um, and, and I appreciate that. You know, because a lot of times we we have to come to a consensus. And, and I I quote the late Michael Brooks when he said, "Be kind to people, but be ruthless to institutions and systems." And 100%. so, um, I'm a work in progress, uh, and I'm trying to be more kinder to people. You know, while still maintaining that ruthlessness to institutions and systems that oppress people. So, 100%. Yeah. We all are. So, yeah. uh, I love the fact that you acknowledge that, and I think that is very big of you. And we're gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna get. I'm we're gonna get there. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love your optimism, man. It's, it's it's infectious, and I need to have it back. So I appreciate it. Um, so one of the things that I, I actually wanted to uh, talk about first was that you started case study and you've given us a way to see clips from mainstream media and what we're saying so that we don't have to sit through the hours and the time of their coverage you know by the way which we are very grateful for because a lot of us really don't want to sit through that it's like you're making the sacrifice that makes you the MVP. Um, I appreciate that. But can you give us a brief summary into how did you get into that and what inspired you to move into this independent media space? Thank you so much. Um, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Wear Pilgrim. Much love to you. Um, yeah, so in, back in 20, the, the, election, the 2020 election, so when the, the primaries like was about to start really getting at the height of it. So I guess I would say late 2018, I guess, yeah. you know, um, let me go back a little bit and talk about my political evolution. Back in 2007, I really got into politics. So this is how ignorant I was on politics. Mm. Back when I did my first election, my very, very first pres- <clears throat> presidential election, I voted for John Kerry. Remember, there's a whole bunch of us college kids, college kids, and we always like, oh, let's go vote. And I just went along with the crowd. And I went into the booth and I went to vote for John Kerry. But I said, wait a minute, there's a Constitution Party, Green Party, 
Libertarian Party. Like, what? wait, I didn't know there was other choices outside yeah. of Republican wow. and Democrat. So I did vote for John Kerry, but that was the only time that I ever voted for a Democrat at the presidential level. And and then the next, I, I didn't get political um, into politics right away. Um, I just, one thing that the first thing I remember is like, why didn't, I felt cheated. Hmm. But like, I didn't know these other people. I need to know my full, I need to do my homework before voting. So anyway, I didn't get into politics just then. The next time I got it, I started really getting into politics was 2007. And Ron Paul came on the scene. I remember going to work and I saw a newspaper said, oh, this guy Ron Paul got smacked down in the debates. I went to my job and I looked on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And in the debate, you know, it was Giuliani who said, oh, they hate us because they hate us over there, you know, overseas. They hate us just because they hate us. And Ron Paul was like, no, they hate us because we've been bombing them for all these years. And I was like, hmm, which one makes more sense? They hate us because they hate us. Or they hate us because we've been bombing their families and killing all their friends. And, okay, let me go. Let me listen to this guy, Ron Paul. So I definitely became a, a Ron Paul person for about a year. And then I discovered a guy named Tom Hartman, where he, he has a show. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, every time I mention Sean, um, Tom Hartman, people say, oh, he's like a, a liberal kind of guy. And um, he, he is very friendly to, like, the Tom Perez's. But I got to give him credit. He brought me over to the progressive side because... He used to debate conservatives. Like that's a big part of his show. He had like a three-hour radio show, and he would always he loved bringing on conservatives to debate them. Mm-hmm. And at the time, being a Ron Paul's person, I was on that side, and I was thinking of, of had that frame of mind. Mm-hmm. But the more I listened to Tom Hartman, the more I'm like, okay, this guy is making more and more sense. That's why something with me that will always be in me is to try to. I like to hear both sides of an argument, and even if People try to demonize whatever that other side is. So one um, very um, uh, 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 situation or a topic that's very inflammatory is vaccines, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So to me, the media, they demonize Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. And so they will tell you, like, never listen to this guy. Listen mm-hmm. to Fauci. But I would love, I would pay money if I had a million dollars. I would love to say, hey, here's a million dollars that you guys can split. I want to hear a debate between um, Fauci and Robert Kennedy Jr. Even though Robert Kennedy Jr. is apparently on some like top 10 list of um, anti-vax people, whatever, whatever. I don't care about all that. I want to hear, as long as everybody's a good faith actor. If I know you're lying and you're trying to deceive, and then no, I don't need to talk to you. But as both people... Are good faith actors. That's what I like to um, hear. So um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. So let me no, get to this good. straight point. Appreciate it. Um, so I got into politics that way, and, and I became a political junkie. I just was watching hours and hours of documentaries. I found out about Fred Hampton mm-hmm. um, from YouTube. I had a, a job that I worked at night, and I was a, had a ton of free time. So I was watching a lot of documentaries, a lot of different things, and really getting into um, um, politics. So the I started tweeting, or not tweeting, um, DMing my pops, or, or just messaging him clips and uh, different YouTube clips, and he would watch them, and we would discuss, and it, it got to a point where I was thinking, like, okay, I think other people would enjoy these clips, right? So I started off on YouTube. I created a, a YouTube page, Case Study QB, and started putting up um, the whole clips on YouTube and it started gaining traction, gaining traction to the point where it's getting a lot of views, seventy thousand views. It was on um, Reddit and a lot of views went viral. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is really working. But what happened was that I kept getting copyright strikes. Mm-hmm. Right? Thank you for showing that. Mm-hmm. And um, the copyright strikes, I was you always hear about people getting banned, people getting their channels taken away and all that stuff. So I got scared and I mm-hmm. took down all the, um, even though they had a ton of, hundreds of thousands of views, because it was just straight up mainstream media clips, mm-hmm. Nina Turner, um, Bree, Joy, um, Joy Gray, and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I took them down and I started putting up my own, every Monday at eight, I, I do a show called Political Junkies. And then outside of that, I do shows here and there. So for example, even today, I, I interviewed one of my people that we, we might talk about later mm-hmm. on my show, so you could see that. Um, but somebody in the comments section said, hey, why don't you do this on Twitter? Like putting up the news clips and put it on Twitter. And I was at first I was like, nah, I don't need another <laughs> social media. It's going to be more work. But because I was thinking about the transition, I was like, man, I'm getting too many copy strikes on YouTube. Like, Let me try this Twitter thing. And so Twitter only has two minutes and 20 seconds that you can have. Mm-hmm. But um, I started putting up, splitting them up, putting up up on um, Twitter now, recently, they came out with something called Twitter Blue, which allows you to just pay $4 a month, and they automatically allow you to get up to 10 minutes video. So oh. I've been doing that. And I'll tell you this, JB. One thing about me, as much as it's tempting to do 20-minute, 20 20-second 20 clips that are really hot takes, and sometimes you might take people out of context, mm-hmm. I take pride in giving you the full context. So I would listen to something on, on MSN, and if I hear, even if it's a soundbite, I'm like, man, okay, this is something I want the progressive community to know about. I will still give you like maybe 20 seconds before and 20 seconds after. So you can get, I want you to get the full context. I, I don't want to be unfair to even, even like Republicans, even neoliberals that we might not like. And I think Jason, what's his name, that always beef with Brianna, he called, he said, um, Dr. Jason Johnson? That guy, right? Mm-hmm. Even him, he's had some good takes, and I would clip it and I would put it up there. I'm not going to be unfair, and but then he's had bad takes, and I would clip it. But I want to be fair, even to people with bad t- um, takes. I would give the you know the beginning part and the end, so you could kind of get the full grasp. But mm-hmm. you still see it's a bad take. But some people might just cut out that little bit of part and and try to make the person look bad, like almost intentionally. But um, I, I want to be a resource for the community. And thankfully, I've become that, that they can they can at least get the full clip. And if they decide to clip it down even more, I let them they can do that. But I like to give the full context. If yeah. that makes sense. But that's be, be called being an honest actor, though. Thank you. I'm trying to be trying. To be, yeah. You know, yeah. because, you know, you, you do it without bias. And so since you do that without bias, then it gives the people the chance to be able to make up their own mind based on the information that has been submitted to them, which exactly. we deeply appreciate. And so I exactly. think that's that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. yeah. That's the part of me that I'm like, like I said, when it comes to debates, I want to hear both sides. Yeah, so of I course. I want to give full view. So that's I, I approach that with my channel as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, y- y- you're meaning for it just to be a resource, not an echo chamber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so, for example, was recently Biden came out and he had that bad take that I've been chatting about on the, my show yesterday was that uh, Biden said that George Floyd's death was more significant than MLK's death. Did you see that clip? No, I did not. 
Yeah, that, it was crazy. Maybe I, I don't know if you can. You share? Can I share my screen and you can show? Uh, me? yeah, you can. I think you should All be right, able then. to. I, I just gotta approve right, it. So I, I, yeah, no worries. I'll try to see if I can work on that. But in the meantime, so he said that. And we were all flabbergasted, but one of the person on the panel was like, wait, I wonder, I'm just curious what he said before, like, what was the full context? Because you never know, it, it sounded crazy, and I, I said, I don't know the context, this is not my clip, otherwise I would have clipped the whole context, mm -hmm. but I was like, let's just judge it on his face, and then we talked about it mm -hmm. on his face, and yeah, that's absolutely crazy that I, uh, a progressive leader like MLK, who was... If his death didn't happen, who knows what heights we would have reached if he would have continued living, you know. And not to disparage George Floyd at all. His, mm -hmm. He did start a movement, but you have a, a, a leader that is almost like what if, um, and I don't want to, I'm not comparing them either, but what if Bernie was about to run in 2016 and then he died? God forbid, right? Mm -hmm. Then we wouldn't have Medicare for All as popular as it was. All these people that inspired somebody from the... um. Starbucks recently said that uh, Bernie inspired them to, to try to, so that's why they're trying to unionize Starbucks. All these different things that as much, as mad as we are, including myself at Bernie, the way he did certain things, mm -hmm. we can't deny that he inspired a whole generation of uh, leftists. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, as far as um, that whole thing where, from what you just told me, um, the difference between the two is one was actually trying to start a movement and the other one was had no intention wasn't trying to start a movement he was just buy, trying to buy a few things at the convenience store you know yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it was intentional or not but at the same time, you can think that if something like that happened to me, I would want a movement to start, even though I yeah, didn't yeah. intend it. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, to kind of, it's kind of oppression Olympics esque to me. It's like a human life is a human life. They're all equal the same to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the impact that. Dr. King made you can't deny how major it was and the thing is is that from someone like Joe Biden's mind yeah they're equal because he's focusing just on the racial aspect of it when we think about it we're talking we're not only talking about the racial aspect of it we're talking about the economic aspect of it as well because he actually was pushing for the economic rights, not just of black people, but for all people. Yeah, yeah poor people's march. And, and, yeah. yeah. And right when he tried to start a poor people's campaign, that's when he yeah, was assassinated. Exactly. And so, would it be wise to say that George Floyd's, you know, the result of George Floyd's death was more impactful I don't think that would be the right way to go about it because yes, it will it put a huge scope on the carceral state that we live in, but a lot of what that carceral uh, state that we live in, that police state that we are experiencing, part of it is due to the degradation of economic positions that we, especially Black people, are put in. So then we have to 
maybe commit crimes of desperation and crimes of opportunity. And so, therefore, then you get somebody like George Floyd when they think that he has a, a fourth uh, a counterfeit 20. Whether or not he did or didn't, the thing is, is that if you thought he did, then why did he feel like he had to use it if he did have it? You know, because people usually don't get down to what the real root cause is. And I think that with the death of George Floyd happening, that was focusing on some of the issues down the line that we were dealing with because of the cause of the economic disparities that we were dealing with, which Dr. King was trying to get at. See, in my view... Dr. King was trying to pull the, the, the tree out from the root, whereas the yeah. George Floyd protests cut it around the trunk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. as far as that comparison, I would have just stayed away from that because yeah. they were I both... I you, um, if you, I brought it up and shared it on my uh, screen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I got would you. Would you be able to share it? Yeah. Yep. George Floyd. Right, let me start over. Mm-hmm. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. Mm-hmm. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. Yeah, and I think you can hear Kamala saying, mm-hmm. But there's an example. Yeah. I would love to hear how did he lead up to that? Yeah. And I, even though I'm sure, I mean, on his face, it looks really terrible. It sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm I, trying to choose my words carefully. I yeah. wouldn't have gone that far. Yeah. Because even though what happened to him was worldwide... What Dr. King was doing was trying to prevent a George Floyd from happening. So. Yeah. He was trying to change. A lot of people don't know he was trying to change. He wanted to change or he spoke against the capitalistic system. Yeah, he did. That's what we need change. You talked about, you said it perfectly. To uproot the whole tree is to change the system. To trim at the top is to make little changes here and there of the current system. Yeah, but we do. We're at the point where um, I think capitalism has uh, run its course, and we see a better way. Mm-hmm. And it's time to make that shift to the next system. You know, we've gone from kings and queens to serfdoms and all these different economic systems. Yeah, where it's giving more and more power to the people, and from capitalism was that next step from that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's run its course. It's time yeah. for the next. The next step. Yeah. Even from a kind critique, you can say that we now see the imperfection in capitalism, and so it's now time to move on from that. Yeah. Um, we see the flaw in its design, and so for us to stick with the flaw just because it's something we've always done, it just doesn't work that way, you know. Um, I, I forgot exactly how to this quote goes, but um, 
the arc of justice is long. The arc, the arc of the universe is long and bends towards justice. I think is it is the yeah, quote. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I, I know. But I'm quote myself. But it's not just a social justice. It's also an economic justice. And what is economic justice? Is that we all collectively, you know, work together in order to improve our society as a whole. We have, you know, essentially used capitalism to extract so much that we built up the wealth of the of just one country. But unfortunately, we've did it off the backs of many people who are indigenous, who are of African descent, um, all over the world. And, you know, they already decimated people who look like you and I. They've been undecimated the, the, the people who are of indigenous descent. Now the people who are Asian in, in the Middle East, there is now their turn. And unfortunately, we are seeing it in real time. And a lot of us now are saying, no, 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 no. This is how we got into this situation. Now now you're putting other people in this situation. We have to stop this. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so, I'm kind of hopeful, especially with, not with just our generation, but with Gen Z and then Gen Alpha, I'm I'm more more hopeful for them because they're observing what we're saying and doing, mm. and they're like, whoa, whoa, what yeah. did they do? We got to yeah, change yeah. this. This isn't right. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. Now, I, I'm definitely hopeful because the way I I educated myself was on YouTube, and mm-hmm. the only thing is with YouTube and the algorithms, like. Yeah. They have to be very specific about what they're looking for. It's not like they can just fall into these right things in the the right path. Yeah. So I don't know if I could be that helpful, but I I would say the fact that the Mm -hmm. education is out there if you want to find it. Mm -hmm. That's what that's definitely the good thing about today's day and age. You know, as we advance and as years go on, it seems like Mm -hmm. knowledge continues to be easier and easier to find. You can get it. We have it on our phones, for example. We could watch a whole movie or whatever on our phones. And I'm hoping that people, you know, all these um, taboo topics like socialism and Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, you can find that now and in friendly places where they're not demonizing it. Yeah. But uh, like I said, again, I don't as long it's as long as they can find it in a way that is they, they have critical thinking. And they can distinguish and say, okay, let me find good actors and let me listen to both sides. I think that we will win. I think we will win out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You literally answered my second question without even me asking oh, it. Um, there you go. So we, I, see, we here, brother, we here. Yeah, 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 yeah. we definitely <laughs> are. Um, I just wanted to get to um, my, my next question. Um... Can you tell us about what the People's Gauntlet is and how it can be utilized? Now, I already, yes, I, have a, mm-hmm. I already have it up. So. Oh, you have it up. Okay, perfect. Of course. Perfect. Of yes, course. There is a huge vision for the People's Gauntlet that mm-hmm. I split it up into phases. And I'm just, 
with all the stuff going on, I'm trying to build it out slowly. But um, as recently as yesterday, someone finished all five gauntlets, meaning that they became a people's contender. Now it's up to me. I have to edit the video mm-hmm. and post it out there and then add them to the website. So mm-hmm. we're going to have a new person right there. You have three and then below is the one more person. But we're going to be adding a fifth person, Steve Holden, who I just interviewed about an hour ago. Um, he's going to be joining the People's Gauntlet. And uh, the whole, first of all, the whole vision for the People's Gauntlet, right? We donate to politicians, to uh, our, or for the most part. The idea is to, to donate to politicians, to volunteer for them, and then hopefully they get in the office and they vote our way. But a lot of times we find that that's exactly what they're not doing. So mm-hmm. it's come to the point where, you know, you, you hear about the squad and, you hear about all these different progressives who get in there and they, they use independent media to get it uh, to get promotion. And then they get into office and they hardly go back on mainstream media. It, it almost feels like it's a one way relationship all the time. So I said I thought to myself, well, one of the things I would love to put candidates through a gauntlet so that they do something for us. If you want our money, if you want our, us to volunteer for you, you got to do something for me. Mm-hmm. And the people's gauntlet is not easy, you know. It's 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 five different topics. If you if you go down, you can scroll down a little bit. I just want to show the part, the audience, the part where the gauntlets are on that same page. Um, there's there's five gauntlets, and right there, yeah, there's five gauntlets. You can click on each of those tabs. It's the economy and well-being gauntlet. It's the justice gauntlet, the democracy gauntlet, the domestic policy gauntlet, and the foreign policy gauntlet. And they each range um, from between 10. The only one is 10 is the economy and well-being gauntlet. But the rest are more like between six and seven topics. And the idea is a candidate will talk in a camera and tell you how they feel about each of those topics. Right. And the whole point of this is there are candidates who are just running for themselves. Like, hey, I want to become a congressperson. I see myself as this big, dignified person. So. Let me go run for Congress and win. Mm-hmm. But then there's people who are really doing it for the people, you know, that they have that not me us mentality and they they really care about these issues that you see in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell when the difference between the people who do care and people who don't care. Matter of fact, the people, the candidates and I presented to um, candidates to join the people's gauntlet. And a lot of them haven't reached back out you know mm. there thankfully there are people who said like those four who said we'll do the gauntlet and there's other people on the on the um queue like that have to reach out back to and, and let them do the gauntlet or whatever mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people out there who says they're progressive they say they're for these things mm-hmm. but they're not doing it and i don't yeah. know if it's and i think this is what i think it is more than anything they're thinking what do I get out of this? Mm-hmm. When, if you're a person that's not, is a not me us, yeah, you would see the vision for what we're trying to do and say, you know what? I want to participate. I want to help this vision. I want to help this infrastructure build. So yeah. that's something that I've definitely learned in my process of doing the people's garden. So I've talked enough. If you have any questions or anybody have any questions yeah. before I continue. Of course. And uh, just full disclosure, I did meet Juan Parades. Uh Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's we, in Florida. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was uh he was at the Medicare for All march and he was one of the speakers just like, you know, me. And 
I was very harsh <laughs> when it comes to the Democratic yeah. Party. And he was basically in full agreement with everything I was saying. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was a, it was a really great conversation to have with him. And I will admit yeah. that was really nice to talk to him. Um, as far as electoral politics, I I personally do not uh, jive with the Democratic Party anymore. However, if that's the way you want to go, um, you know, uh, then that is your prerogative, you know. And you know, everything he said to me was impressive. Um, so you know, it was, but it was, it was, it was, you know, cool to see that somebody like him was able to get on this. Yeah. Um, well, that's why I love these conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, you, you and the Revolutionary Blackout Network, you're more for mutual aid and mm-hmm. and building that side of the equation where this is literally an electoral politics kind of infrastructure or initiative, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not button heads. You still invited me on your show. Mm-hmm. And we're still having the conversation, right? Yeah, of course. And and, that, and that's what we need more of that. We mm-hmm. need more of that. And that, and by the way, if you go to the candidates page, or if anybody goes to peoplesthegauntlet.com and there's the candidates page, you would see that this is a nonpartisan initiative. Mm-hmm. So even though I believe all of these people, I think Sass might be he initially was an independent, but all of them are Democrats. We are ready and willing to get Republicans. We're really wanting members for people, yeah, People's Party, Green Party, Socialist Party, non-affiliate, just meaning anybody. If you want to do the People's Gauntlet, then we're open to it. And the whole point of that, a, a, a point of a phase of the People's Gauntlet that's going to be coming down the line, um, what I like to do is look at the past and see what worked, even if it worked for neoliberals, and try to apply it to leftists. So, for example, um, Obama consolidated all the moderates against Bernie in the mm-hmm. 11th hour in South Carolina mm-hmm. and he was able to consolidate that power against the one progressive so mm-hmm. I, th- I thought to myself okay what if we had a system in every district at every level we could find a way to consolidate the left in this the left power or the left um, candidates into one to have them go up against the establishment Mm-hmm. So the idea right now is that, let's say in district, I'm just going to throw out a district, district one, you have um, a, dem- a Democrat running, movement for people's parties running, a Green Party is mm-hmm. running, those three people running. Let's say they all do the, th- the people's gauntlet and they all become people's contender. Mm-hmm. Then at some point, and I don't know exactly when just yet, like if it's six months before the primary or maybe two months before the primary, the people... We will decide. We'll watch, look at the gauntlets and whoever, mainly the people in that district, they'll look at the gauntlets and say, you know what? I really like the Democrat who's running as a leftist. Let's um, give them the the vote. I'll vote for them. And if that's the person that gets the people's champion vote, then everybody else will drop out and support that person. That's that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Now, what if the Green Party person gets the the top vote? Then they all they. The idea is, and this is when you the the real not me us is tested, right? Mm. Imagine doing a, a your campaigning for six months, you do the people's gauntlet, and and they don't just, they don't pick you. Do you say you do you drop out in good faith and support the candidate that we all decide to galvanize behind, or do you say you know what I'm the progressive Democrat and I have a better chance of winning? 
I'm just going to keep going. When you already pledged or you said that you would drop out. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of um, test that we're going to see the character of candidates. And the best thing I could do is hopefully um, this becomes a more popularized thing. That, think of it like Justice Democrats before AOC mm-hmm. um, was elected. You know, nobody knew who they were. Mm-hmm. So that's the stage we're at where we don't have that clout and that name recognition just yet. But hopefully at some point when we get more, you know, maybe the next cycle as we get more and more notoriety, mm-hmm. we'll be able to demand. And I would love for my uh, independent left people like uh, JB or Reed, Joy Gray, or anybody who becomes affiliated with the People's Gauntlet, when you have candidates that say, hey, can I come on your show? You'll say, hey, well, did you do the People's Gauntlet? Mm-hmm. Are you a People's Contender? Did you do all five gauntlets? Oh, you didn't do it? Go do that first. And mm-hmm. then you could come on my show. Because mm-hmm. now you got to do something. We're not, I'm not giving you my audience. I'm not giving you mm-hmm. my platform unless you show in good faith that you are one of us by doing the people's goal. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah. And, and audience, let me know what you think. I'm still, a lot of this, uh, I'm doing this with the people. I, I kind of started the initiative, but I'm more than happy to be open to suggestions. I want people in the chat to collaborate because I'm going to need you all to join mm-hmm. to be able to vote for the, who becomes a champion. So this is an open source collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at um, some of the comments here. Uh, Raziel the Great says, I'm never worried about them at the beginning. Nancy Pelosi started out actively fighting for universal health care. My concern is once they go to the district of corruption. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, so that's a good point. The question is, I, I, and I don't know this just yet, like every cycle, do they do the whole people's gauntlet over? I don't know if that's exactly necessary, but we, sh- we should have something to hold them accountable. So maybe like, let's say they did the people's gauntlet already, but now they have a progressive challenger. Mm-hmm. They should be obligated to have a discussion and AKA debate. I was thinking, what is us family, like us leftists, maybe we shouldn't call it debate because it's really divisive. I said, let's have a discussion Mm -hmm. where we can talk about the issues and then we can find out whether or not we want to continue with somebody. So, for example, Nancy Pelosi and I think, um, man, what was his name? Not Shark Shark Barkey. That's the other person that started Justice Democrat. I'm trying to think of um, the person that's challenging Nancy Pelosi. I don't know. Shahid Buttar. Shahid Buttar. Thank you. I'm just blanking out for a minute. Mm -hmm. So if let's say Nancy Pelosi did the People's Gauntlet years ago, let's say it existed as a people's contender or people's champion or previous champion as an incumbent, you will be required to have a a discussion, a.k.a. debate, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. with the people who are challenging you. Right now, Nancy Pelosi hasn't done a debate in like, what, 20 years or something like that? Uh, Ever since she came into Congress, I think. Right. So so that's unfathomable is unethical in my opinion i know it's legal but like you should be continually going back to the people talking to the people letting people know where you stand on the issues Mm -hmm. so that we can hold you accountable and Mm -hmm. and i think that's a way that the people's gauntlet can hold our candidates accountable Mm -hmm. uh raziel continues says i agree all options uh needs to be on the on the table uh, to universal understanding and no more browbeating like we're gatekeepers against those who want to keep trying from the inside. 100%. Um, 
Sound Gary, like you. Uh, hmm? Okay, go ahead. Gary Seth says, personally, I'm done with scam politics, but there may be some merit in the black voting block boycotting the Dems in 22 and 24. It would have to be powerful. It would have been a powerful 2020. Could have dinged the universe in 2016. See, I, I would love to see. Um, I, I hate that when people say I'm not going to vote, period, because it's like voting is just a tool in the toolbox. So if you're deciding to, you know, nail, if you have a screwdriver, a screw, and you're nailing it in, then it'll be hard to take it back out. So that's why you need a screwdriver. And that's voting is like a screwdriver where it's just a tool. So I, in that situation, I would rather see black people start their own party. Even if we know it's brand new and it's not going to go nowhere, at least I could vote for whoever's going to be on that black ballot, that mm-hmm. black party ballot. That's yeah. just me personally how I feel about it. I don't care about the what the quote unquote wasted vote. I've, like I said, mm-hmm. I've never voted for a Democrat at the presidential level mm-hmm. since the very first time mm-hmm. that I voted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, I you know, I feel like yeah, it's a it's it's a tool, but is it a tool that works, that performs? Mm. And I think how we use it has to be important. The thing is, is that I feel like if we keep going the same route, we just don't get results, which is one of the reasons why I think that, you know, you creating the people's gauntlet, us going the route of, of more mutual aid... In uh, direct action, um, we're going different routes in order to push for that same thing. Mm. So, I just hope that both of us are deeply successful in whatever we do. You, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I've been trying to court uh, Nick, socialist MMA Nick Cruz, to run. Uh, for something, I don't even care what party or whatever. But um, and the reason, the main reason is because I think not only is he a charismatic, very intelligent man, mm-hmm. but he, I think only he can catch this vision of something that I've been thinking about: the People's Gauntlet, a phase of the People's Gauntlet, and that would be we need to have organizations at the local level that will not only do. Um, electoral politics as far as, let's say, getting Nick into office, but outside of those election cycles, what do they do? Mutual aid, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, for lack of a better um, name, let's say the the People's Gauntlet of Kansas, Mm -hmm. because I know um, Nick is in Kansas, Mm -hmm. outside of uh, the the political um, cycles, they can be doing, and I I would envision like um, Nick's having his volunteers going, knocking on doors. They have his pamphlet to give out, but they're not going to his door and say, Hey, I, I represent the Nick Cruz campaign. But before I can, I want to tell you about it. I want to ask, like, how can I help you today? What do you need help with? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a furniture? If you're the only person living in this, in this house and you have an old furniture that you've been meaning to take out, but you're by yourself, mm-hmm. is there, is that something we can help you out with? We have a couple guys who can come pull it to the curb so that the trash can take it away. Do you need, Oh, mm-hmm. oh, your lawn looks like it's a little high. Do you need us to help you cut it? We can't do it every week, mm-hmm. but we can 
I see this is something that you need help with. We can write what you want on our list and we can help you out. You know, mutual aid, that's what, what I, from what I imagine, you, you could correct me uh, if, if you can, uh, that you want to be able to change people's life at that local level yeah. and then say, I'm, I'm, I'm also volunteer for, volunteering for Nick Cruz and we're hoping to get him into Congress and give him, and then give the spiel. But you want to first show whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, or independent, you want to show people that you care. Mm-hmm. And not only wait till it's time to vote, you want to do that outside of those times as well. What you think? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's what... That's what shifts, because the thing is, is that you're not asking, what can you do for me? You're asking, what can, what can I do for you? Yeah, exactly. And, once you're asking that and then you do it if you're willing to do it outside the bounds of government then imagine what you're willing to do inside uh so so yeah i mean i mean i'd be impressed if i saw somebody doing that and they and, and and if they did it without having any notoriety while doing it yeah one of the pushback that i've heard is oh a candidate's time is valuable a volunteer-based time is valuable, that they need to be doing blah, blah, whatever it is. But as somebody who hasn't really dove in, that's why I like to get a lot of feedback and I interview a lot mm-hmm. of people who are into electoral com- um, politics. And I hope to get um, uh, some other people on to ask them about the inner workings of a campaign. Mm-hmm. I, I want to not just be ignorant about it, but I'm just using my imagination of what yeah. a campaign can look like. And yeah. I think that it, it's, it hurts me a little bit when people say, oh, we shouldn't be wasting our time on that. They should be getting the vote out or this and other stuff because it's like me, me, me. Just exactly what I've been talking about. It's like yeah. a, they're, they're having the um, Hillary was like, I'm with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie was like, not me, us. Mm-hmm. So it's like me, me, me. Help me out to get elected. And it's like, no, this we should be building something where we could all build a mutual solidarity. Yeah. So that in in that circle of and I um, I don't I think I brought it up in the the three weeks the the three day um, general strike summit the, the general strike summit mm-hmm. I had a little graphic that talked about it mm-hmm. you know independent media mm-hmm. the grassroots mm-hmm. and um, candidates electoral politics those three things and if they if we had a circle going each to each of those um, different topics that's that's the left synergy that's going to get us changed. That's, mm-hmm. I truly believe that, and hopefully mm-hmm. we can get there. Yeah, it's just like yeah. you know, it you know. Full disclosure: I used to preach door to door for for over twenty years, and one of the things that what? we learned. Preach. Yeah, I used, used to, to preach, preach door to door. Yeah, for twenty oh, wow, years, okay. I did. I did. I used to. Um, okay. one of the things that we learned was if you help people out, they're more receptive to your message. Just being a good exactly. neighbor just makes people more receptive. And they see who you truly are by the actions, which is why I like what Terry Connolly said. It says actions speak louder than words when it comes to politics, in my opinion. That being said, I only know of a few socialists doing that, and which is true. Thing is, is that if if I know that you came and did something for me that you didn't have to, but you did out of the goodness of your heart because you're a member of the community, and then I find out that you're running for office. And I saw that you're the type of person that's willing to help others out in need in that material way. 
that's going to make a person more likely to vote for that person. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it also has to be done uh, without trying to make themselves look good. You know, it, you know, it, it's it's more done out of altruistic reasons rather yeah. than exploitative, and so yeah. that's one of the things that you have to be careful about because sometimes they will do it for exploitative purposes. Just like, the, it's just like those channels that talk about you know that they're giving out to the homeless and then they they post views about it and then they do it so that they can get hundreds of thousands or millions of views, and it's like, well, did you do it for the views or did you do it for the person? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, it you, we, now, you know you have to be careful with that because. I think like there's, there's just these little gestures that you you hear about that you just like, you know that somebody's the real deal. Like, yeah. You know with with Bernie, he he wanted Elizabeth Warren to run in 2016. He didn't want to run, mm-hmm. and it's only because she did not run that he said, all right, we need some some kind of leftist um, answer to Hillary Clinton, so I'm going to run. You know, with yeah. uh, Kasama Shawant over there in Seattle, Seattle uh, City Council. Yeah. She doesn't take anything more than $15 an hour. Like, that's crazy to some people. I mean, I know even me, I'm like, look, can I pay off my student loans first and then I'll <laughs> take the minimum wage? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So for her to do that is showing a lot of integrity. Can every pro- person who's saying they're progressive, can they say I'm going to forego my in Congress is a hundred and I think forty four thousand dollars a year. It's uh, about a hundred salary. About a hundred yeah, it's around one hundred and forty, maybe one forty five, something like that. So that that six six figure uh, salary, are you going to say I'm going to forego that so that I can make the least of these amount of money, which is the seven twenty five dollars an hour, so that you all would know that I'm fighting for that. I'm sleeping. Some some can um Congress people at times sleep in their office. Um, and that can definitely give you the kind of a little bit of taste of the experience that's out there, but definitely giving yourself a minimum wage and year after year you're doing, giving yourself that minimum wage check, man, I, I would be surprised if there's ever a candidate that does what Swarma Shawan is doing in, in Seattle. If we could find him, mm. if we could find him, yeah. Yeah. yo, I didn't even get to the rest of my questions yet. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Too much. <laughs> Yo, this conversation is too damn good. This yeah. conversation, you know what this conversation is like? This conversation is like a really good spaghetti dinner. It tastes so good you want to keep eating, but you're getting so full that you can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, hungry, yeah. Man. JB, you make me hungry. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, you know, you know, I dabble in the kitchen a little bit, you know. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to get to my um, my next question. If this tab can get out of my face, God, this computer. I try to do okay. rapid fire if you want to. Um, okay. Go through a couple of them. All yeah. right, cool. All right. So. Hmm. All right. Uh, if you can do this in thirty seconds or less, I'll be very deeply impressed because I couldn't oh, do it. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> what? What is one of the biggest? What in the world? Sorry, this thing. See it my way. I bought okay. my timer too, so I'm gonna see if I can do. Okay, this. all right. What is one of the <laughs> biggest? What is one of the biggest learning curves you had to learn when becoming a content creator in this space? 
What is the biggest um, learning curve that I learned? Um, I'm, I'm already an IT kind of tech kind of guy, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot that I had to learn. Okay. It was more like having a good workflow. Got it. And uh, just just to give a, give away um, uh, some of my secrets, I use Filmora um, X. I use that as editing software when I need to edit down. But then there's a program called Bandicut. And Bandicam, that's what I do for screen capture. Mm-hmm. Bandy, B-A-N-D-I-C-A-M. And then I use Bandicut, the same company, B-A-N-D-I-C-U-T, to, if I need to cut it down. Mm-hmm. And um, that workflow has helped me. Like It automatically puts my watermark, the logo there, oh, and, um, and it captures pretty well. So outside of that workflow, um, there wasn't really much. I already loved what I was doing watching politics. I love watching, um, listening to, to different ideas and listening to politics. So that was a no-brainer. It wasn't a big deal for me. Cool. So, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. All right. Thank you. All right. And I gave away a secret so you guys could clip. Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this was going to be a hypothetical question. All right. Hypothetical. You are president of the United States, and it is January 20th. It is your inauguration day. What are your yeah. first three actions that you're taking as president within your first 100 days? So this is excellent. This is what I want to talk about when it comes to, like, 2024. This is what I want for my progressive answer to Biden, whoever that person is, Marianne Williamson, Nina Turner, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. I want to demand from them, which is what I would do, executive orders, right? And now people are going to say, I've, I've had some pushback of this. They said that Republicans are going to say, oh, you're authoritarian and you're da, da, da. I mean, Trump and these other guys do executive orders all the time. So mm-hmm. the, the way I'm going to try to market it politi- politically to the people, I'm going to say, hey, look, Congress is broken. Mm-hmm. We had the House. We had the Senate. And we have me as the Democrat or in, in my past administration with Biden. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get things done. You got mm-hmm. Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema mm-hmm. preventing change. So this forces my hand. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to work with Congress, but they, they forced my hand. I have to do executive orders. I'm going to forgive federal loans, student loan debt, forgive mm-hmm. it completely. I'm going to take marijuana off Schedule 1. I'm going to legalize it at the federal level. And I'm going to give, we're in a pandemic, people. Medicare for all, emergency action to everybody. Mm-hmm. Those are the three top things that I'm going to do. And even if January 20th, COVID, everybody said, oh, COVID is going down and it's, uh, you know, go- going away. We finally reached the. Now I'm going to say, nope, we're still in an emergency. We need to get it done. Mm-hmm. I'm declaring an emergency. Among- and Biden did this for Texas when they had that um, snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot if it was a year ago or whenever. He did that for Texas so the president can do it for the whole country. So I'm going to give the country a taste of Medicare for all. And then I'm going to dare the Democrats to say, take take this away. I dare you to take it away from Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. So we only got less. We got like three minutes. Okay. So All right. Uh, what is something that you're going to double down on in 2022? Solidarity and, and wanting to preach that. And thankfully, it sounds like it's, it's coming into the ether that you said, which the nice words that you said at the very beginning. But I want to double down on the left. My dream would be to get Jenk and jimmy door um to collaborate how, however way that looks they're um on the left and our or some people argue that certain people are not on the left 
I would say they're part of the left ecosystem wherever okay. you want to put them. But they are our biggest giants, and we have to find a way for us all to collaborate, starting with the people with the most subscribers. Thankfully, isn't it funny that us with not as many subscribers, like, we could get along a little bit easier? Maybe because mm-hmm. we just talk to each other. I don't know um, what it is. But mm-hmm. uh, it seems like the more subscribers you have, is like, the harder you are to reach and the less you are to reach out to people on the other side, people you disagree with. Mm-hmm. Like, JB, if you disagree with, with me on something, let me know. We, let's hash it out, and then we... Hug it out at the end of it. We don't have to turn it into something um, shyful. and But also, our rhetoric doesn't have to be so venomous. Yeah. Because I can see how um, having that type of rhetoric, how do you expect to uh, reconcile with someone if they're calling you out your name and cursing at you and all these different stuff? It's just unnecessary. So, But yeah. that's what I want to double down on in 2022. Yeah, I'm calling you and I'm DMing you. I ain't going on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, especially if I got your number and I say, oh, yeah. I disagree with that. Just yeah. Hit- you know? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, okay, so what is one food that Case cannot live without? Oh, man, there's so many. I'm such a foodie. I love everything. I mean, like... So am I. Can you see? Well, I don't know if I like escargot. I was going to say, I think that's snails. I've tried it before, but I, I, it's not something I would eat on a regular. What, what did you say, Jay? You said something, Jay? I, I, said, I said I'm a foodie, too. Can you see? Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I used to say, I guess, Italian food. I used to, I really love Italian food, but I've been into my West Indian. My parents are from Barbados, so I've, I've been in, really into my West Indian food recently. But, ah, man, I can't, I can't choose one particular dish. I just love them all. I really can't. That's okay. That's an acceptable answer. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. I'm going to get you in trouble. What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> I don't curse. I really don't curse okay. at all. I'm a... I'm a pastor's son, and in college I probably would be cursed, but recently I just, I, I play the piano, as you can see, I have a piano right here, I play the piano in my church, and uh, I'm just not a cursor at all. Right? That's fine too, yeah. you know, uh, you know, that sometimes, you know, we'll say Sugarfoot, or something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it is man. what it is, that's cool. Alright, so, this is the last one, you're on your deathbed, reflecting on your life. What is the one thought you want people to remember about you? Yeah, I, I just want people to remember about me that um, I, I had a, I'm a person that would like to be remembered as someone who had a gap in love. And a gap in love is basically when you show love without needing love, without needing to be shown love. Ooh. You know, just somebody that just shows gives love Ooh. without needing it back you know what i'm saying that's what i hope people will say man he's just like a carnell west is the best example of somebody that just pours into people yeah. just pours and yeah. pours into people you know yeah. yeah and i'm not i'm not carnell west but i would yeah. love to be i strive to be somebody with his spirit let me put it that way yeah yeah i did yeah. i deeply admire that you know because i i feel the same way Yo, we managed to get through all the questions. I couldn't even do it at Rome. Dog on it. Okay. I beat Rome. All right. Tighten up, Rome. Uh, but yeah, so I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I mean, yeah, this was this such was a fun. great conversation. Yeah. You know, and I I deeply appreciate it. Um, yeah, this was fun. Yeah, and oh, uh, well, 